Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Welcome to church. This is your friendly reminder that uh, your vehicle may need some maintenance. So if you need a church to tell you that it might be time for an oil change, there you go. Some of you have not changed that in-cabin filter. And along, some of you are like, I didn't know I had one. And so just, this is just your friendly, thanks for coming to church. You might need to work on this. Um, if you uh, have owned a vehicle long enough, you know that eventually that vehicle, whatever it is, is, is going to need some, some effort. Uh, you cannot look at your car ever and say, you know what, I'm tired of it. I'm no longer going to give you fuel. I'm no longer going to change the oil. In fact, by the way, if you talk to your car, other issues we don't have time to talk about, but you can't look at your vehicle and decide, I still want you to take me to work. I still want you to help me take the kids where they need to go, but I'm not going to do anything for you. Eventually, the car is going to be like, nope, and it will die. It will break down. Every vehicle requires effort. And as a church, we're, don't worry, we're, we're, this is not a vehicle maintenance uh, church where we're, this is all we talk about. Uh, this, the reason we bring it up is it applies to your relationships. And you know that. Let, let me show you. In, in a healthy relationship, the need for effort never goes away. Now, some of us would say very quickly, yep, so true. But can you be honest enough to say that maybe, maybe there are relationships in your life that you've not been given any effort to or the effort that you used to? I've learned this in marriage. Uh, I remember when Katie and I met, we, we met at a small group at a church in Kansas. I started the small group to meet my wife, and it worked. <laughs> Just saying. So... We met at the small group, headed off, things were going well, and I found myself effortlessly deciding to drop a lot of other things, not going to certain appointments, not spending time with friends, not playing the ever-important video games, and I would just spend time with Katie. It was awesome. It just, it, I didn't make this conscious decision to be a, a mature individual or anything. I just, we just spent time together. And... Uh, and that kind of flourished. It was awesome. We, we fell in love or whatever word it is. We grew into love and, 
and we eventually got married. And I got to tell you, I know some people will say, like, man, marriage is really, really difficult. You probably shouldn't do it. You know, you should just stay away from marriage. And I remember our, our first season of marriage was actually awesome in the sense of, like, I, I didn't notice a difference. We, we still just enjoyed spending time together. It, it, was, it was awesome. And I would say borderline effortless. Then we got jobs. And then we brought kids into the whole thing. And if you've ever been in this dynamic, you begin to realize that that effortless relationship starts to be more difficult. And what we found was this, and I don't know if this resonates at all with any of you. We didn't stop giving effort. We just started giving effort in other places where our kids started getting more effort and jobs got a little stressful, so they got a lot more effort. And there came this time in Kid and I's marriage where we realized we're not giving each other the same level of effort that we used to give. And we noticed it in our relationship. That's why I will tell you, no healthy relationship ever loses the need for you and I to just actually invest into it. So as a church, we're talking about, well, what about God? If all these other regular relationships require effort, does a relationship with God require effort? Yes. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about an actual, like, conversational, connected relationship with God. That requires effort. Now, if you've ever wondered, like, I know, and it's been difficult to have a relationship with someone or something, I don't know what you call God, but where you can't see him regularly, and you're like, I, they, I don't seem to hear his voice, and it gets get weird, and you're like, why would, I even, why would I even want a relationship with God in the first place? I've got people around me. Well, I want to show you something that the Bible talks about regarding relationship with God. Give all your worries and cares to God. Here's what I know about you, whether you and I actually know each other. You have worries and cares. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. If you're anything like me, there's days that I would like to, well, frankly, take my worries and my cares and say, does anyone want them, please? Can I hand them off? Or at least can I talk to someone about them? Let me show you another place. We're going to relationship with God. and Give your burdens to the Lord. Come on. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. If you've never thought about it, if no one's ever brought up the conversation, they should. A relationship with God is awesome. A relationship with God requires maintenance. So if you're like, well, so my vehicle, you know, oil changes and filter change, all that kind of stuff. What does it look like to do maintenance on a relationship with God? Good question. Let me show you. Here it is. Some of you thought, like, church attendance, right? Uh, serve the fifth graders for the rest of your life, almost as penance of some sort, right? No, no, here, here they are. The first one is spiritual intimacy. Before that freaks you out and you're like, what? It's, it's how to learn or how to give effort to God's voice in your life. If you missed it, you're like, I, I, the, the first weekend of this series talked all about that. 
Biblical knowledge, you need some of that. Your mind, you need some truth about God if you want any kind of healthy relationship with him. In holy obedience, this will, there needs to be a surrender to his will. When Jesus taught how to pray, there was this surrender of will. So, so we talked about intimacy the first weekend. Let's talk about biblical knowledge this weekend. Now, my guess is this. In fact, let me do this. Let me out everyone here. Huh? Let me tell everyone's secret. Here it is. I would say 99.9% of everyone listening right now feels incredibly inadequate regarding their knowledge of the Bible. My guess is if you and I had like a really open conversation and I said, hey, how much of the Bible do you feel like you know and feel confident in? Most people would be like, don't ever ask me that again. We're never talking. And you would just end it, right? But I'm going to tell you there is truth in that Bible, whether you find it confusing, whether you find it old or irrelevant. There is truth in there, and it's designed to help you, and I have an awesome relationship with God. I, I was raised that that Bible had tons of truth in it. I uh, thought this might interest you a little bit. I brought some examples, honestly. Uh, I'm a pastor, so I have way too many Bibles, but that's just what we do. Uh, I've got different Bibles. Uh, here, here's one in particular. This, um, it's a pretty old one. My dad reads through the Bible, you know, beginning to end, very regularly. When he finishes the Bible, he'll buy another one. And what he started to do, the reason I have this one is he started to give the grandkids some of the Bibles that he's read through. And of course, there are notes and things like that that they find sometimes more interesting than the Bible. Uh, but, but they read through them. And what I've known from the very beginning is that whether I agreed with what was in this book, okay, most of us, we even have one of these. You're like, where is my Bible? Uh, most of us have one of these. I have been taught from an early age that if I want to do life right, if I want to have a fulfilling life, I need to learn what's in this. And many of us actually right now hold opinions about what's in here, and you haven't actually read it. It's fascinating how you and I quickly find opinions. And I'm just telling you, I grew up being taught that there is truth in here that I needed to learn. Uh, that's one. I, this is very special to me. Uh, this... Well, this isn't as awesome of a story, but maybe you'll like it. Uh, I got this Bible when I turned 18. And I remember when my parents gave it to me because I was angry. I don't know what you wanted for your 18th birthday. This was not on my list, okay? I was like, oh, oh, there's keys. Where's the, the keys? Where are the keys? The, there are the keys in here, and there weren't any keys. And I was like, oh, neat, mom and dad. I love this. And it was genuine leather, and I was like, I don't care. Right, right, right. I, okay, just being very, okay. Now, I get it. And this, this was my first, what they call a, like a study Bible where you read it and there's notes in there to help you understand it. And, and obviously, even though this was my 18th birthday present, yes, my only one, uh, I still have it. Because my parents were trying to say, David, you're about to leave the house and there's a lot of stuff out there. 
If you want to know how to navigate it, uh, here you go. This has meant a lot to me. I'll show you one more. Um, I rarely actually open this one. I know there's like, wait a minute, I thought you are supposed to, right? Um, in 2004, I was at a ceremony where a group of people felt like it was okay and not overly crazy <laughs> to ordain me, to, to make me a, a reverend. And they handed this to me right afterwards. Um, and this Bible holds a lot of significance because I received it when I got the title reverend. Don't ever call me reverend. I'll just know you and I don't know each other. Uh, uh, but it was special to me, obviously. I, and this Bible signifies that, so uh, I've held it close. Um, I have lots of Bibles. <laughs> and maybe you've got Bibles or a Bible that maybe you haven't opened up much. Let me simply tell you it's full of truth. It's full of powerful, life-giving knowledge that we're supposed to know, but more than that, that we need to know, that we should know, that's important to know. Some of us, I know we're taught, oh, you better know that or God won't like you, right? No, it's deeper than that. I don't think God let the Bible get put together so that it would just be a new set of assignments in life. It was so that we would know them, have truth to live by. If you fast forward to when the Bible was originally put together, and now you've got our time frame where we live right now. And if you were to go about saying, you know what, I want some truth. I need to know how to do things. Nowadays, most of us might Google something if we're really going to be like open, open. And in fact, what's even gotten more toxic is some of us are deciding major life decisions based on what we see on social media and Google. They did a study that I thought would be important in this conversation about where you and I are getting our truth, how to live life, how to live life. MIT, uh, smart people at MIT, from what we're told. I have not personally attended. But they did a study of social media regard, regarding the things that get passed on, truths that get passed on. Let me, let me show you just one of, one of the things, one of the quote and things. It took the truth about six times as long. That's falsehood as something not true at all, to reach 1,500 people. At first, you'd be like, oh, no. And maybe if you're even more mature, you might say, what if I believe something that I shouldn't have believed? You know that right now it's a constant conversation about what's called fake news or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Here's what Half-truths, here's what I say, are dominating our conversations nowadays. They're dominating them. See, right now, if, if, you, if you and I, conversations at work, at school, with friends, with our spouses, uh, sometimes even in churches, we will have these half-truths, and they're dominating our conversations, where we will say, hey, hey, this is why I'm doing this, because this is true, when underneath, what, what we've locked on isn't true. Half-truths dominate our news feeds. We are given half-truths by our leaders all the time. 
I'm now old enough to have had multiple presidents in my life, and so far every one of them have given us half-truths. Half-truths are dominating our workplaces where oftentimes a boss will say something that's halfway true just to protect certain this or that. And yes, you know already that half-truths are dominating marriages. Perhaps you've had a friendship where you only got part of the story, but it was advertised as the whole story. If you want to go even more into this dangerous world, I'll show you a, a more toxic just assessment. Here we are. We are accepting half-truths as whole-truths. And we're not paying attention that we are. There are many people nowadays deciding what they're going to do with their lives or relationship or what they're going to do with finances, what they're going to do with mental health, what they're going to do with all these major things in lives. And, and we're taking what is actually a half-truth and we're standing on it. We're making it locked in like this is how I'm going to live my life because so-and-so on the internet said this, so it's got to be true. And we build our lives off of it. We'll take a conversation from a friend because we love them so much, they've given us great wisdom, but it's a half-truth, and we begin to treat it like a whole truth, like I'm going to live my life on this. And if you've ever found yourself on the other end, you know that there's a breakdown. If you watch the news nowadays, they don't tell you, hey, we're about to tell you a half-truth. It's actually pitched as a whole truth. And I don't think any of us wakes up going, you know what I need today? Some half-truths to build my life off of? But what I'm telling you is if you, if, if you are, if you're getting your truth from the wrong source, that's what I'm going after. If you're getting your version of truth from the wrong source, you will break down. So I'll ask you a question. How reliable is your source? On, on what you've decided to do, whatever you've decided to do, whatever you've said, I'm going to live life this way or that way, uh, is it reliable? If you're like, I don't know. Some of us are not even like, okay, what are my sources? I thought you might ask what your sources are. I'll show you. I did some pre-thought to this. If you ever ask that, which most of us do on a daily basis, actually multiple times, you may not realize you're asking it, but you are. You're saying, is that true? If someone at work says this or that, hey, dinosaurs, they're still walking around. And you're like, really? Someone tells you, hey, the Vikings, they're a good team. And you're like, I've never, I don't know how that's true at all. No, sorry, just having fun. Is that true? You've asked this. Is that true? If, if, if anyone says something to you, maybe outlandish, or maybe it's not, and you begin to process, whether you say it, but you process it that way. Is this true? Is this true? This is why Google is used so much. Is this true? What is true? Is this true? If you are willing to admit that, which we all do, you're getting your answers from these sources. That's why I've got this here. You might ask God. Or you would actually go to the Bible or, or pray, hey, God, is, is what I'm seeing, is what's playing out, is that true? And you go to God. But a lot of us actually go to others, a friend, a coworker, a boss, pastor, 
a leader of some sort. And you're like, hey, I heard this. I, I've seen this or I'm wrestling with this. And you begin, hey, hey, is this true? Most of us, though, are staying with ourselves on these things. We're landing with, does it feel true? Does it feel like what I think should be? And that is where you and I are. Is it true? Well, we, I don't think it is, or I think it is. Let me help you see this better. If you don't like what God said about it, typically we'll ask someone else about it. If we don't like what they say about it, we land with what we think. And if you build your life off of that, all I'm saying is, I'm not hating on you. You're just heading for a breakdown because your source is unreliable. If you would like to live life in a fulfilled way, peace filling your soul, if you want to live life in the best way possible, you need a really good source for truth because there are really bad sources all around us. Can we all agree probably more than ever before? So let me show you something. I think it's powerful. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the holy scriptures, if you're like, the Bible. You've been taught the Bible from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Let's just stop here for a second. We're about to have a really, really honest time right now in church. You got me? I don't know how you grew up or what you grew up around. But you read a verse like this, and you're like, oh, remain faithful to the things that I've been taught? Uh-uh. Because some of us are like, I was never taught stuff from the Bible. So I have not remained faithful to it. Maybe you, you can trust those who taught you. Some of you are like, no, you can't. Uh-uh. I mean, can we, I'm just, let's be super honest right now that some of us have never been taught the Bible. And some of us were taught by people who were not trustworthy. And then we, this wisdom that, that's supposed to come from Jesus I don't know if you were ever taught it. I mean, yeah, I grew up in a pastor's home. I was taught a lot of it. Spent a lot of time around the Bible. But we live in a different era, don't we? I just wanted to stop for a moment and recognize all of us, that there are some of us that the Bible is as foreign as anything could ever be. And I'm not hating on you for it. In fact, I'll tell you, I get it. It can be a crazy book, (laughs) super confusing at times. But don't let your lack of familiarity with it rob you of the truth in it. So let's keep reading again from the Bible. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Again, just stop. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, I wish I knew what was right and what was wrong? I have. Have you ever had a moment where you didn't know what decision to make? 
We're like, hey, should I? I don't know. I'm not sure. Should we? It corrects us when we're wrong. I know that does not sound awesome, but being wrong is not awesome either. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let me help you. As we talk about frequently, sometimes we got to read it backwards. And like, what here? Let me explain. If you've ever not felt prepared or equipped for life, you need that. It was never designed for you and I to live so confused and wandering in life. And I wonder, I wonder how many of our problems and issues and uncertainties right now, just think about yours right now, I wonder how much of it could get resolved just by knowing what God has already said about it. Do you know that I have a job designed to help others know what to do in life, and I almost always use the Bible to provide the wisdom for that? In fact, if you've ever sought truth, let me give you some examples. I just made a short list of things that you may have thought or processed. Uh, Let me show you the first one. Life should be fair, right? The, The more experienced folks are like, yeah, whatever. Okay, if you've ever wondered if life should be fair or thought it, all I want you considering is, who told you that? Who gave you that idea? And is it right? I just want you thinking, is it right? You've got a source at which you locked on. Life should be fair. You've got a source. I just want you realizing you have a source. I do too. Let me show you another one. My wife should meet all my needs. Answer is yes. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. That was me talking. But you, I wonder if you have a friend. Or maybe you, maybe you had a marriage where you treated it as such as though the other person, their mere existence was to meet your needs. And if you've ever believed that, I just want you thinking about what your source for that was. Oh, let's, let's, let's really step on some toes here and talk about uh, money. My money is mine. Now, I know some of us are like, that's stupid. Of course it is. Right? Okay, so all I want you thinking about is, who told you that? How did you conclude that? How did you lock on to that? What brought you to that truth? If if it's your truth, as many of us would say nowadays, that's my truth. How'd you you get it? Was someone tell you? Is that you? Is that that God? Did you resource God for that? Let me show you one more. And I think this might be one that we all wrestle with. How I feel about something makes it true. How I feel about something. Many of us would disagree with this, but however many of us are living this way. We could spend a lot of time looking at the things that you and I believe. All I'm trying to point at is that you want peace in your life. You want to live a fulfilled life. You want a marriage that is awesome. Or you want to raise kids in the right way. You want to spend money and use money and give money in the best of ways. My guess is you want to be the best employee possible. 
And many of us are leading those parts of our lives based on half-truths. So here is the guidance I would have to offer you if you want to live life the most fulfilled way. Make God your first source of truth. Notice, just so we're clear on this, um, I didn't say, like, you're only. Because you can spend all day in the Bible. It, as far as I know, will not tell you how often to change the oil in your Honda. It's not going to say it. I, I'm not, not saying only. The Bible does not address some things in life, okay? It doesn't, it doesn't go there. But if it does... Make God your first source of truth. Let me talk to those of you who want to be and claim to be and walk in this idea of being a Christian. If you follow Jesus and you crave a strong relationship with God, in essence, if you've ever thought, I want to be a good Christian, then lean into the idea that it's not just talking to him, but it's learning all about him. You need his truth first. Often, I've talked to the kids often. They want to know something, and I, I say, go to God. You go to the Bible. Let's look at the Bible together to find it. Let me show you something Jesus brought up. It's brilliant. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, who, who believed in him, who called themselves Christians, you are truly my disciples. You're truly, like, you're not fake ones. You're not lukewarm ones. You're, you're the real deal. You're not hypocrites. You are truly my disciples if, 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 if you remain faithful to my teachings. Faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you've ever, if you've ever wanted to know what was wrong and right, if you ever wanted to be prepared for life, you need to know God, and here's how you do it. Very simply, very simple. Study God. And guess what he did? He's like, oh, you're going to need to study me. Here you go. He didn't be like, study me. Man, best of luck. I don't know how that's going to work. No, he's like, and, and here you go. L let me help. Because some of us are going, you're like, study God. Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> can we admit that with some, uh, study God? You're doing this already, probably. Maybe you've had a relationship where you're like, hey, I'm going to learn all about you. Let me go back to my conversation about Katie and I. Katie and I's marriage was not awesome at a season. We were not giving effort in the right places. And here's what we did. This may sound so weird, but just follow. We, take, we took a, a personality test. Both of us have one, by the way, for just in case... You always, I always hope that it comes back, like, I, do I have one? And, and, it, and we, we, we got one. And there's this moment going, I not only want to know what my results say about me. I don't know if you've ever taken a personality test, and you're like, hey, so tell me all about me. Tell me about me. Tell me about me. But I actually was more moved to, I wonder if I get to know Katie more. I wonder if that would do something for our relationship. So we took the test. It was too many questions. Here was the description of my wife. Uh, you may not know her, but these people, talking about her, 
value and are attracted to love. They want to be generous persons seeking to make the world a more loving place in which to live. Harmonious, intimate, mutual relationships are what life is all about for them. There's a lot more detail to that, and you better believe I studied up on her. I have listened to podcasts about my wife. Some of you might call that stalking. I call it studying. I've read books, one of them about the love languages. I don't know if you know this, but you have a love language, how you receive love best. I've studied that, and it was not just for, so I can make sure that Katie had a list about how I do it. You know, I, I wanted to know about her. If right now in your, any romantic relationship you have, if, if, if you're trying to offer love by how you receive it, you're failing, right? just so you know. Uh, I studied her. I, I could tell you what my wife doesn't like to eat, maybe more importantly, uh, what she loves to eat, what she doesn't like. I've learned that. I've learned that, like, I love a good steakhouse. That's not her favorite. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I've learned that when my wife is stressed out, she does not need me. She needs a hike in the hills. I've studied her. And our relationship is far better now. Because I know who she is. I've applied the same principle to our kids. I've, I've learned their love languages. I've, I've learned and, and watched what they enjoy and what they don't. I've had the conversations already about my kids, talking to them, hey, what are you looking forward to the most about school and what are you dreading? So that I know that their fears are true and I begin to lean into those. I study them. I watch my kids. Do you know that we've made, as boss, I get to do a lot of fun things with our staff. We require all the staff to do the personality test. The reason is so that I can know them and we know each other. I hope you keep having this resounding word in your brain right now. Effort, 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 effort. If you want a rich relationship with anybody, effort. We were taught this as kids, but as adults, we're not great at applying it, and we're definitely not great at applying it to God. So I'll give you a little bit more. You gonna study God? You will need help. I don't know if you're willing to admit that. You will need help. A lot of us, if pastor says, you should read the Bible. Got it. I'm gonna read the Bible. Page one. Presented to by, okay, nope, uh, birth and holy man. You begin to go through, you're like, okay, I'm supposed to read the Bible. Um, and you go through the table, and then you land at this place. This is called Genesis chapter 1. Don't start here. <laughs> Think about it. Isn't it weird? Like, hey, here's the Harry Potter series. You need to start in the middle. <laughs> we don't do that, right? Like, it's just... And I know it's weird. In fact, this will mess with you. Uh, here's another Bible called the Chronological Bible. The reason this exists is because this isn't chronologically put together, which should just make you so mad. You're like, why, why do, does this have to be more confusing knowing that not all the books and stuff in this are all perfectly in order? 
It's like someone intended to screw us up. And some of us, you're like, you might know how to follow it a little bit. You know that you actually should always start with the life of Jesus, which is almost three-fourths of the way through. Because the whole Bible, from the first part, points to Jesus. Then after the life of Jesus, it talks about what's going to play out after. So you need to know who Jesus is, because the whole Old Testament will be super more weird to you if you don't know about Jesus. All I'm trying to point out is you will need, you will need help. Our agenda when we open up the Bible is not be like, you know what, my marriage is falling apart. God, give me a verse. Give me something to hang over their head. No? I'll tell you this. The Bible is not to be studied so you can get some rabbit foot version of a verse. It's not so that you can look spiritual on social media because you just posted a verse. It's not to use it as a weapon against someone else to demean them and berate them and actually let them know that you hate them. That's not what this was meant. It was meant for you and I to open up and say, oh, I, I want to learn something about God today. Because the more I know God, the healthier my relationship with him is, but the healthier my life is. Yes, you need to talk to God, spend time with him, let him speak into your life. But just because this gets confusing, don't disregard it. So we as a church are gonna help you. Uh, when I'm done, the location pastor is gonna offer you a next step if you wanna take it, if the Bible's like, confusing, weird, I don't know. It was written in a different language, different culture, different, uh, and, and, and we'll help. We'll walk. That's why we exist. If you want help, we'll help. But I think before you accept the help, I want to give you a pledge. Maybe something that you would own and say, that's, that's I'm going to own that one. Let me, let me show you this. It's in the Bible. You, God, prescribe the right way to live. If you're gonna dive into a healthy relationship with God, if you're gonna do maintenance on your relationship with God, you need spiritual intimacy, you need to dignify his voice. We talked about the first weekend, but you need to learn about him. You, God, prescribed the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets. Does that sound attractive at all? It does to me. I would love to live that. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. <laughs> and I love that. And don't ever walk off and leave me. Don't you love it? Like, hey, I'm gonna listen to you. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean into your truth, the real truth, not a half truth. This real truth, I'm going to lean into this. Don't leave me. That's why I thought it would be powerful for us to see that and even commit to that, to where if you and I are going to have a healthier relationship with God, how about we put our opinions to the side for a little bit? And we say, who is God really? So if you are going to disregard the help we're offering, let me just give you, start in what's called Matthew and read all about Jesus. 
But if you let us walk with you, we will. In fact, I, I wanna pray for you that you might even be willing to open yourself up to the Bible. I will tell you this more than ever in the history that I am aware of, there are more people who are biblically illiterate. And there are more people than ever before living broken and lost and wondering what to do with their lives. Perhaps the Bible needs our effort. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the Bible. God, I confess to you, I sometimes read, read your words, your Bible with a biased opinion. I'm sorry. Sometimes there's something I want you to say and so I make you say it in a twisted way. God, I'm sorry for that. Maybe others have done that. God, I, I believe and I think we believe, our church definitely believes that your Bible, it's your words. It's from you. God, for those who are brave enough and willing, would you help us, even in our mental comprehension of reading your word, would you help us receive it and implant it into our souls? God, I pray for those even right now on the verge of committing to following you. God, would you help them and walk with them and encourage them? We love you, Lord. And we thank you for these moments that we get to hear from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.